comes, it's Nashville Untold with Andrew Buckwalter, the podcast that interviews the most interesting and influential people making an impact on Nashville's business, charitable, and entertainment scenes. Joining us now from his roving camper studio, here's Andrew. Welcome to episode 36 of Nashville Untold, and thanks for tuning in. Today in The Rambler, I'll be hosting Ken Wood. I had enough belief in myself that maybe I could do this, and I, I wanted to try it. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work, but at least I tried it. And I wasn't getting younger, and sometimes you just got to jump off the cliff and hope there's water at the bottom. I've known Ken and Bama Wood for quite a while, and Ken used to cater an event with Mental Health of Middle Tennessee. That was kind of one of the big things I looked forward to when I would go, Natalie and I would go and help at the event, was to eat some of Ken's barbecue and sides, and oh man, it was so awesome. But it was um, cool to hear him. He stepped out, you know, after um, competing in the barbecue world, working an IT job, he decided to go take a run at it. I guess bring some barbecue to uh, the Nashville area. It does some catering as well as they have a place in Nolansville and the Lenox Village area. But it was really cool to hear and see Ken, you know, talk about his story, his upbringing, actually being a Nashville native, but also to see the impact that the customers have had on Ken. Um, you weren't there obviously in person, but, uh, it was pretty touching because uh, many people have touched um, his heart throughout, uh, I guess, the last year. And it's not been an easy process, you know, starting a new business, as he as he talks about. But um, he is uh, still doing well in it. So I know you'll enjoy the interview with Ken. Joe Sly will be the musical guest. I pulled one of his songs from uh, a previous episode to, uh, to add to the end of this episode so make sure to tune in or to stay tuned for that so now without further ado sit back and relax and uh, hear ken's story hello nashville um, coming to you live today from lennox village i am hanging out with ken wood thanks for joining me ken Thanks. Thanks for asking me to be here today. I kind of was disappointed that we don't have barbecue sitting in front of us, but we yeah. can we can just keep rolling, I guess. I thought you about know? bringing some sauces out. At least you'd you have should some have. Sauce. We could have licked some or something. You could just talk about it all. Um, so Ken is the owner. Um, partner, owner, what's the role exactly? Uh, owner, okay. partner, janitor. Yeah. Um, of Charcoal Cowboys. Uh, Charcoal Cowboys, yeah. Charcoal Cowboys Barbecue. Yes, yeah. and uh, some really good food. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about yourself, just in a minute, kind of what you got going on. Yeah, so um, we opened Charcoal Cowboys Barbecue 10 months ago, and um, we're nominated, or I guess we won the uh, Thrillist uh, Top New Restaurant 2018 in Nashville. Nice. Um and we're just a family-owned, family-run restaurant, um, and we're ten months into our first restaurant business. Never been in the restaurant business before. Twenty-five years of IT work around town, and we just kind of jumped off the ledge, 
in about a three month process and opened <laughs> opened up a restaurant. I really don't know what I was thinking at the time. It sounded it sounded great as a as a party conversation. Maybe maybe they shouldn't have had a good party. I don't know. Maybe you shouldn't have been hosting so much of the events for you know yeah. barbecue. I met um, actually his wife Bama yeah. through uh, middle um, middle Tennessee. Uh, <laughs> mental health in middle tennessee right? yeah, that's right. mental and, health uh, tennessee. so my wife and i actually she was on the board of bama yeah she was and the then um we would go to some of the uh benefit concerts at the right. ryman right and really after probably the first year i just wanted to go and get some barbecue because uh ken and and his buddy they catered it yep. and oh man it was it really was like part of you know who cares about who was playing yeah it was part it's like of hey event. when do we get to go get some get some food <laughs> like you know it was kind of bad because i was always so stuffed by the time I <laughs> but anyway so uh yeah i guess it was i mean obviously with ten, all that encouragement you yeah know. and this restaurant sort of comes out of that volunteer work with the mental health association of tennessee and now i guess it's middle tennessee is kind of what they go by but I didn't believe in myself at the time, and they asked us, asked me if I would do a catering for their event, and I'm like, well, they believe in me, you know, I'll try it, you know, I'm going to try it and see what happens, and so, you know, I, I catered, did that first event, uh, and then the next year, we actually, I think what, what we did was we donated me going to somebody's oh, yeah. house and cooking dinner for, for people for eight to ten, and that raised as much money as anything did at the um, at the patrons' party. And so from there, you know, I felt confident doing the events. I started doing events. I started doing competitions, um, did competitions uh, across the country, barbecue competitions. And so it kind of kind of that grew and grew and grew to where I had sort of the confidence to right. sort of say, you know, I can go into people's house. I can I can cook for people and people will enjoy what I do, not people who show up at my house and say, oh, you're the best cook in, in, in the country, right? Cause they started asking for yeah, you, Yeah, they right? started asking for me. So that was... That's really the start to to what right. Charcoal Cowboys Barbecue is. So we'll dive more into the barbecue, but okay. uh, first let's uh, let's hear a little bit about you. Okay. I like to get a little bit, not just the business side, yeah. but who is Ken? Tell mm -hmm. me a little bit about your childhood years. Like, what was it like? Or uh, what were some big influences as far as family environment, and you know that began to mold you? Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, I was born and raised in Middle Tennessee. And I grew up on a, on my family farm, which is actually in Smyrna, Tennessee, okay. which is now the Home Depot, not Sam Ridley in, in Smyrna, Tennessee. And so I was always in the kitchen with my grandmother or we were always, you know, feeding chickens or hauling something to to the garden and pulling stuff out of the garden. So um, but in those years, um, I did a lot of cooking that I didn't really think about until later where I'd win 4-H cooking awards and stuff like that I, I won a bunch of them when i was a kid um i never really thought much about it and um i just always seemed to be cooking but never didn't realize it was sort of my passion you know mm -hmm. but then i i could sort of as i got older i could turn around and look and see that my um my grandfather was a good cook my dad was a pretty good cook they're just naturally pretty good at it and then when i went to you know what sort of went off to college went to arkansas to college and I actually cooked for the house. I would, I would go and buy raw products at the grocery store to give me money, and then I'd come and cook them, at, and we'd eat at home, and I'd cook for for everybody in the house. And so it really sort of grew the passion for cooking out of that. 
And then I sort of, you know, I sort of graduated from college and sort of lost that. And I lost a, you know, number of years where I wasn't into cooking and uh, sort of rediscovered that um, there was a local restaurant in town, chef run restaurant years ago called Zola's. And it was run by Chef uh, Chef Deb, who now has Etch. Okay. Yeah. And her cooking was so, I mean, it just felt like you were in someone's home in, in, in Spain or Italy or something, right? And it just, it transcended just sitting in a restaurant. And I just, and something in me just, mm-hmm. it just reunited something in me to start cooking again. I started cooking, cooking a lot. I uh, started taking a lot of cooking classes locally. I talked to guys at work to taking cooking classes with me, and that sort of leaded leaded into getting back into that sort of led into barbecue. But right, well, what about it with your grand? grand you said your yeah, grandma yeah. as well. Yeah, cooked, grandparents. Like, we what never. What kind of food was it that they? It, were? it was just southern food. It was you know just real southern food. Turnip greens cooked a long time. Green beans cooked a long time. Food that come out of, that we could grow in the garden is what we had to have. We had a smokehouse on my uh, grandparents' place. And we did country hams, okay. so we we smoked ham and sausage. We didn't turn it into barbecue as we know it, like pulled pork and stuff like that. Our only real barbecue was my grandma had this great vinegar-based recipe for goat. We had goats, and so we barbecue. We actually would barbecue goats, and we'd we just vinegar over it the whole way to try to get the gaminess out of that goat and, and cook it that way. But for us, um, hogs and pigs and stuff like that, ca- um, cows. That was that was more of turning it into to the hams and and steaks and and that kind of stuff than it was uh roast beef and or uh, chuck beef chuck roast and those kind of things um more of a country kind of cooking with it than it mm-hmm. is the barbecue yeah and so you can obviously say you're a nashville native was it fun growing up at that that young age in nashville yeah i think what was interesting about nashville back in that time frame for me is we lived out in the country. I mean, you know, I rode bicycles down the street. Um, we'd see three or four cars we sell on the front porch and waved at people when they come by in, in Smyrna at the time. And so we lived out in the country. Do you have siblings? I do not have siblings. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Just you? Right. Just me. And so, but we had Nashville as the background, right? You could always go into Nashville and there was always things happening about Nashville. Nashville was always in the news no matter what just because it had the music here and the country music and that. So even though there's a lot of things going on, you just always – Nashville was always a cool place. Mm-hmm. Everybody always thought it was cool. Not to the level it is today, but it was a cool – but it was also a small town. Like you could go to Nashville and you would see people that you knew all the time. Uh, where today you go to Nashville, you don't know – right. nobody, <laughs> nobody's from here. and you know. So it was cool growing up in the country and so still having that Nashville background because I, when I go – you know, see people who grew up in the country and they just never had, they didn't have that city to go to and have a, and they, you know, well, I've never been to the city, never, never experienced right. sort of a city life. And so we just always had that, even as a teenager, it was cool because, you know, get in a car and we could go to Nashville um, and hang out in Nashville. Yeah. And you didn't yeah. have to deal with 24 traffic. No, 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 yeah. We didn't not have to at deal all. With, not at Actually, all. Actually, were you rolling up Nolensville? No, we were no, was the main. No, um, Murfreesboro would be your main. Okay. Yeah. That's what I meant. Yeah. About. Murfreesboro would have been the main area for. You probably had like two lights versus 72 <laughs> yeah, lights yeah, now. Yeah. <laughs> it had all the entertainment areas on it. It had every, everything was happening on, on Murfreesboro Road, you know, at the time. Uh-huh. Yeah. That was the place to go. Um, it's funny. So when you see people that have been here like 10 or 15 years and they're complaining about all the growth, you're like, 
Please. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, I grew up, we, we called the people in Franklin farmers, you know, yeah. you know, it was the, they, they were the farmers. Yeah. I'm smart at calling people in Franklin farmers. Right. But, but they were, I mean, it was nothing out in Franklin, right? The cool Springs went there. That's all big farms. Oh, yeah. It was nothing but farms. They had Franklin. the downtown part, right? Yeah. They had the nice downtown. Uh, but, but still it was, it's very interesting to see the growth and where the growth come from. Uh, you know, I can remember, and I worked in retail at one time in Nashville, and Cool Springs, uh, a lot of the retail over there thought they were going to close up. There was no business. There was no business there in Cool mm. Springs. And it, it, you know, over a period of time, it finally started taking off. But, you know, Hickory Hollow was the place, was the place, and Rivergate was the place. And both of those yeah, are closed now. Right, cool Springs right. is, is there. But it, it's very interesting to see the transition from what part of town starts growing, what part of town mm -hmm. dies down. Yeah, um, and you can start seeing the transition of what town, what part of town is going to start coming back up again. Mm -hmm. um, that had that at one time was the place to be has died, and now it's you can see it yeah. start coming back again. So it's very yeah. interesting. That's yeah. cool. Well, how about college? Where'd you go to college, and yeah, how so, was that experience? Yeah, so I think you know what was interesting in college. I went to Searcy, Arkansas, to Harding University, and um, of course that's in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, in, in Arkansas, but a lot of hunting and fishing, which was a lot of fun. Had a, had a great fishing area. Um, and and just did a lot of fishing over there, taking home and catching fish and and different things and and cooking the, mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. And so that was that you know it was always a lot of fun and meeting people from different parts of the world. At that point, uh, Harding had a lot of people from different parts of the country, and and that interaction into also is is a basis to stuff too because you have your culture that you grew up in, and now you're interacting with all the uh, multiculturals. And they add something to you. Right. Everybody, like you know, I had a roommate who was from Mexico City, mm -hmm. and then he added he added his flair to what you know what he's used to into my life, and that that changes things that you do along the way. You know, yeah, so it's very yeah. interesting. And well, you were there four years. Oh, I wish. Oh, were you? There? You <laughs> went my route. Uh, what was your major? Was it computer? Oh, marketing. Marketing, uh, marketing really? Yeah, okay. Yes. Yeah, marketing. Major. So, how long did it take you to get a marketing degree? It took like five years. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, Natalie was maybe part to blame while mine was like five and a half for oh, a business degree. Because, okay. you know, one semester I should not have gone to school. I should have just worked and made money. Um, yeah. So, when I was going to school in Conway, um, I worked in Little Rock at a, a New Age Distribution, they delivered like mystic drinks and stuff at yeah. Snapple. Yeah. And so I would head down to Searcy at the Piggly Wiggly. Yeah. And I'd be stocking some of their shelves and some oh, of the yeah. stores there. Yeah, so. they did it. I, I went out with a girl that owned those Piggly Wiggly. Her parents oh, owned really? those Piggly Oh, Wiggly. nice. Yeah. Well, maybe I tried to go out with her. I don't think yeah, yeah. With me. That's, she, was, she was too high end for you, <laughs> yeah, right, with that Piggly Wiggly. She was a lot smarter. Uh, <laughs> all right. So tell me about a person who's had a huge influence on your life um, and who is someone now, maybe you're reading a book, learning from um, that's yeah. influencing you. Yeah, I think, you know, for me, it would be my grandmother. I mean, just being in the kitchen with my grandmother, uh, my grandparents on my dad's side was it was a was a major in factor. But just because they had a farm, I, I you know, I grew basically I grew up on that farm uh, with gardening, with animals in the kitchen, helping my grandmother. And so I think that was, you know, that was a huge influence on me, sort of who I am today and, and sort of the things that they taught me. I think that's. Um, that kind of a pretty big reflection of who I am, you know, currently to me, opening this restaurant in the last, you know, 10 months, people, it, it's interesting because you never know who's going to come to the door. Mm -hmm. Right. 
and we and we see all the media as it is today about uh, interaction, how people interact from different cultures and all this stuff. Um, and it, I just don't see it on a day to day basis. Mm. It's so awesome. People inspire me because they just come in. They're happy. They want to interact. They want to know your story. You want to know their story. Um, and they jump into it. And um, and in the end, they want to be part of the story when it's said and done. And I think that's that's inspiring. I, mm-hmm. I think it's pretty inspiring. Yeah. You know, we just yeah. don't see the, we don't see that story today. And it happens every day for me. Right. You know, that's a pretty good stick. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. Yeah. Well, that keeps you some motivation. To keep yeah, it keeps you through. And- yeah, it keeps you. It makes you want to open. I mean, it. You know, business is hard. Building your business from scratch is hard, but it makes you want to come in every day because you don't know what's going to come through that door, mm-hmm. and you don't know the, what that interaction is going to be on a day to day basis. It's pretty yeah, cool. That's pretty cool. cool. Yeah. All right. So, uh, shout out to one of your favorite restaurants. Oh, favorite restaurant. Um. Charcoal Cowboys BBQ. <laughs> well, that's what I expected. If you didn't say that, you know, the, the, like if somebody yeah. says, "Who's the best realtor?" You know, I'm yeah, obviously going to say and, me. Yes, Andrew. <laughs> um, you know, I think for me, because uh, Chef Deb uh, was such an inspiration to me, etch um, and anything that she's working on. I know she's got a new restaurant that's coming up. Um, you know, I still miss that that restaurant that she had with Zola's because of what she created in it. And I think um, finding those kind of restaurants are so finding the restaurants where you feel like your family when you walk through the door, you feel like you're is transcend to something in your history or in your memory. Those are the kind of places that that are so inspiring. Don't exist as much because we've got so much in nowadays with so many visitors from out of town and the volume you, that you that these restaurants and places are trying to put out. But those are the kind of places that I really, really enjoy mm-hmm. to go to, you yeah. know, um, where you can interact with the people that are there. Right. And get their story. Right. Yeah. How about the uh, your favorite nonprofit? Favorite favorite nonprofit. I mean, there's a lot of them out there. I, you know, I I, I do think uh, mental health of uh, Middle Tennessee is is um, is important one to us. It, I mean, wouldn't be here today without them. Uh, extremely important. It, it, it is a topic that's not talked about a lot in in the country. We 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 ignore mental health. Um, we turn our back on it a lot. So I think they they have a really tough job. Uh, the education, the need for education in that area is, is extremely important, and the help. A lot of there needs to be a lot of help in that area. Yeah. Um, and I think you know it was interesting. I think when I was listening to some of the discussions. You know, one in four people that are fully employed at work every day have a mental health issue. Mm. So wow. if you're sitting at you're sitting at a desk in an office, the, every fourth person has a, has a mental health issue. And you don't think about that. You no. don't think about that at all. At all. Um, and uh, I think it is, it's is—it's a story that's not getting told a lot. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, you know, Bama have recruited me over to uh, Tennessee Voices for Children. Yeah. And they really are awesome. Like, Ricky is, I mean, just everybody there is just so forward, big thinking. You know? Right. It's pretty cool. And I, actually, I just took the role. 
That's a. They need a muffler. Yes. Um, I, I think I, that is the muffler. I, yeah. I just. I just took the role of treasurer. Okay. Yeah. I don't. I was like, huh? Natalie's like, what? <laughs> treasurer? Like, hey, they ask. I step up, right? I'm like, you know. I mean, it's kind of one of those things you sit and you look at numbers, and then until you actually get involved, then have to kind of understand them a little bit more, yeah. you know. So I'm like, yeah, eh, we'll do it. Yeah. Um, well, that's good. That's good. All right. Well, cool. So. Uh, let's talk about barbecue now. All right. Um, why has that been your food of choice versus Italian or whatever? Yeah, I think I think what what gets me on the barbecue is the culture of barbecue. The competition world when I started over ten years ago, you you went out on a Friday night, you started these fires, you put big meats on, barbecue meats on, and uh, you hung out all night. You talked. Mm-hmm. And you come to find out, you don't know who the person is. You don't know if they're a CFO of company. You don't know if the guy just got out of prison. It, I mean, it didn't really matter. We were there for sort of the same reason. It was for camaraderie. It was to cook a food that we love, which is the true, only true American food there is. And it, yeah, I could get into the history of barbecue and talk about it all day long. It is, you know, something that America has created and it's one of the only foods that America's created. What's a snippet of the history? Well, the snippet of the history is it was, you know, it came through the slave trade. Okay. So through, through slave trade, um, and, and this, you always hear the different styles. Well, the different styles are because of where they where the, the, the boats were dropping off the slaves from. Their cooking style came with that. Hmm. So if it came out of the West Indies, you have a style. If they came from Northern Africa, it had a style, right? And so those styles then created sort of the North Carolina style, the Tennessee style, right? So you hear all these different styles of, of cooking. Well, that all comes from comes from that, right? Huh. And then then as that culture grew and 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 people started eating that that food, that the cheaper cuts of meat and how they what they were doing, well, they realized how great it was and they wanted more of it, right? And then that that culture kind of grew grew out of that, but. Um, but that's where it comes from, and that's how you have the different styles of, mm-hmm. of barbecue. For us, what we do is we blend all the styles. We take what all, what's what we think is great about every style and sort of blend it into what we do. Versus, I'm just a Tennessee styler, or I'm a I'm a Kansas City styler, or I'm a Texas styler, a North Carolina style, or South Carolina style, whatever. We don't we, we just take what's the best of all of those and kind of blend it into what we do. And so, you know, I think. When you get into barbecue, there's just so much you can do with it and different ways to, to do it. But we all have rarely meet anybody that doesn't have a barbecue memory, mm-hmm. right? They can say, oh, this is the place I love or I love my uncle's this or I will love that. They have a memory. Like I have a memory of barbecue. I have a memory of Bo- Mooney's Barbecue in Smyrna. When I got finished playing junior pro basketball, I went out of that game, we would go to Mooney's and get a barbecue sandwich. That was that kind of their, our deal after Mooney's is the best barbecue ever had. Will always be the best barbecue ever. Cause that's my memory. That's mm-hmm. my favorite memory. Right. I don't know if that barbecue was good today or not. And who knows? Right, right. But that is the best barbecue I ever had. I guarantee you. Cause that's my memory. That's yeah. my memory of it. And what I always tell people is that if I get close to your memory, if you come in and have my barbecue mm-hmm. and you say, boy, this really mm-hmm. reminds me of when I was this or that or whatever, then I've done my job. Yeah, that's cool. You know, that I think cause we it all really is. That's so true about the experiences. Yeah. When, and that's, you know, kind of with music, with food, the same scenario, you know, right. I guess with anything. Yeah. 
if you wrap a good experience around it, that memory, you know, puts it way up here. Right. You know? Right. And it, obviously it has to be good too, or else it's going to be like, oh yeah. I remember I had an IPA in Colorado and it was like, I couldn't finish it. It was so nasty. Yeah. But it's actually still a fun memory because yeah. people are always knocking IPAs. I'm like, I did have one yeah. that I didn't like, you know. Um, but yeah, yeah I, I mean, part of it's memories. I mean, if you can reach, if you can reach back and get to that memory, food helps you get there. I mean, food, we got to have it. But that's part of the, that's part of the thing I love about the barbecue is that it has that, it creates those memories and that culture. Uh, and the barbecue culture family is unbelievable. They, they are very what i envision american being that is volunteers they'll show up help you out they'll give you if you need a right arm they give you a right arm whatever it is you need they're going to be there to help you they won't turn your back on you and i just love that culture mm-hmm. i love that culture uh and I, and people who come in when it's good when barbecue's good they're having a lot of fun <laughs> <laughs> Have you experimented with other foods like throughout being a, being a cook, or yeah, you know, was it some of the first experiences you had with barbecue oh, that kind of kept you in that, I, I, that uh, space? Yeah, no, I did a lot long before I got into barbecue. Did a lot more of a French cuisine type cooking, a lot more sauces based type mm-hmm. cooking, um, a lot more stuff on a stove and ovens and that kind of thing. But when I, I fell in love with with open flame. And meat over open flame and the flavor that you can't you can't recreate something that. about that kid always playing in the fire right? right right you can't recreate it i mean you you can't recreate that that flavor that comes out from that um they, they can't do it on a the stove they can't do it by adding an extra mm-hmm. sauce to it you just can't do it and so um i love it i love um sort of the food of italy and spain i love that kind of culture moroccan type stuff um i, I you know I, I love that kind of kind of food um but when you wrap it all together when you wrap the food the the culture the memories and everything Mm -hmm. barbecue was once i was in got into barbecue i was i was sort of done and and barbecue you know from the restaurant standpoint we we do the standards with your your briskets your pulled porks your ribs and and chicken but it can be a lot more Mm -hmm. right you know we I mean, I can grill off vegetables and, and, and build things out of it. We, we do, you know, like we did chicken noodle soup, but we smoked the chicken before it went in it. Right. So that you can still do these things, but they can come from components can come out right. of that, that process. I add just a little bit of, oh, and touch. it just changes everything. Right. So when you were talking about memories, I, I, had, I was about to say something and I forgot and I've been thinking I hadn't listened to anything you said. I just been trying to figure out what I was trying to come up with. <laughs> I'm kidding. I did listen. But speaking of memories, like I go back to camping with a a good friend of mine, Jeremy, in Missouri. And we had a steak, which he got from a butcher. So it was a good, good cut. But cooked it over open fire. He imitated an Outback dry rub. Uh So we had steak. We had a nice big baked potato. We had some French bread. And I brought a can of whole kernel corn. Uh Uh-huh. We heated it up. We got to eating, and we're like, "Man, that can't that corn's like an insult." But I always remember because of that experience. Plus, the the steak was excellent. But that yeah. was one of the best steaks I've had. Yeah. Was 
sitting over a campfire sure. and eating this steak. Oh, man, it was so good. But it, it is like that made me it, go there. There's my steak memory right there. There's your steak memory. And memory. honestly, I mean, you know, when I think of great barbecue, I always go back to the going to the concerts and yeah. you guys catering, you know. So, yeah, it's it good. It is cool. Yeah. yeah, it's cool. And And you'll go somewhere and you'll have... You'll have a steak sometime in your life. You'll have a steak and you'll go, oh, that's like the steak I had at that campfire, right? And it'll take you all the way back right. to that time frame, right? That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. And if if I'm the restaurant that does it, for example, that's cool. That, um, to me, that's, that is cool that I was able to do something that took you back in time to remind you of a great thing. Now, you know? so is that why you have boxes of Kleenex at the tables? Yeah. Not because of the spiciness, because you're like, oh, they just went back. <laughs> they just went back. <laughs> that's right. They're weeping, and you're like, come here, come here, tell me, share, share your story. <laughs> you might hear some bad stories with that, that barbecue, too, right? That's right. All right. So um, in your opinion, um, what separates good barbecue from just ordinary barbecue? Well, I think what I see a lot of from barbecue restaurants, it, it is the concept that I, I just don't understand why they don't get. But meat is just like a human, okay? If if you, if you don't drink water or have liquid, you will die, right? You will dry up and die. Well, if you're cooking food that doesn't have it's got a liquid in it but it once it loses that juices and stuff it's going to be dry it's going to dry up and not have any flavor or anything right over a long cook that's going to be even it's going to mm-hmm. it's going to have worse right because you can on a fast cook like a steak or something you can sear it in real quick and then you're done right and you sear it in those juices and they won't get but on a slow cook you're losing that you're losing them losing them the thought that people don't think about hydrating Mm. the meat and hydration of the meat can be done in, in different in different ways but i i see it all the time it's like you just didn't do anything with this meat you cooked mm. it and you didn't think about the hydration process of it because in a restaurant business unlike you coming to my house and i'm serving you we serve we pull it we serve it and you're done in two or three minutes but in the restaurant business it could be over a long period of time and barbecue be over a long period of time and the thought of you not hydrating it just mm-hmm. it gets me. And you can look back, you know, I read books about how um, they did it in groups, places that were the the place to go, or where they always people always said this was the best place. A lot of times they left the barbecue wrapped in something, mm-hmm. and then they only unwrap it to feed you out of it, and then they wrap mm-hmm. it back up. So it gives you an idea that they were doing something from a hydration standpoint right. to try to keep that. Even from the it. heat would create it. Yeah, yeah. So you have a bunch of IVs in there, right? Yeah. Well, we we do some stuff in our processes very Which, similar to competition okay. where we hydrate, but hydration can be all kind of different things. I mm-hmm. mean, it can be um, hydration creates flavor profiles. Okay, so you can you can hydrate something like beef. You can hydrate beef with some some beef stock, soy, and Worcestershire, a small amount, and then that now that's a deeper flavor, beefy flavor profile in that in that brisket, for example, than would have been if you just cooked it. When you steam or put liquid on something, think about steam when it hits your skin. It opens the pores up, and you can you can see your pores open mm-hmm. up when steam hits. Same difference with that. It's gonna the meat opens up. It's gonna allow for flavor profiles mm. to go deeper into something and so people the art of barbecue is not just 
putting it in a smoker over a period of time. That's part of it. There's so many other pieces that go along. The seasonings that you're adding to it is it an enhancement to the flavor profile of that particular meat, or are you just as adding a commercial seasoning that is a generic seasoning and that's everything you're putting on us on something? We don't. Right. We, we're looking to enhance every piece of meat. Every every piece of meat has a different flavor profile. Every piece of meat on a chicken has a different flavor profile. A breast is different than a wing or a leg or a thigh. And so you want to enhance those for what they need and not just say, oh, I'm seasoning my the chicken one way, mm-hmm. right? And so that those are the things that disappoint me in, in a barbecue world. They just have a tendency to take, we do one commercial rub, and that's it, salt and pepper, and whatever that is. Kind of process down. Yeah, yeah. And, and not... Whereas y'all have a massage therapist in there. Yeah, meat, massage right? your... Like, you, know. you got to massage your butts. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know anyone they do it. <laughs> oh, all right. And then, so, which actually, tell me again, what you just, the 2018 award you won? Yeah, so um, Thrillist uh, voted okay. us uh, best new restaurant in Nashville 2018. One of the best new restaurants in Nashville 2018. Um, Next Door voted us the uh, neighborhood favorite for 2018. Okay. Um, and we just got another award from uh, Lux Magazine as best new, cater- uh, new caterer 2018 Nashville. And then you got all kinds of accolades. Actually, yeah. I, I think I got a question yeah. pertaining to that. Let's see. Sure. Yeah, that's the next. Oh, no. All right. We got one more. Um, so I know you've been in the computer world. Why take the risk on a barbecue business? Yeah. Why take the risk on, on, a, on a desk job that you're making money and you work 40 hours a week to work, you know, 24 hours a day, seven days a week and not make any money? Why, why take that risk, right? Do we need to take you to the hospital? Yes. <laughs> uh, you know what? The desk job was killing me. I was at 360 pounds. Uh, I've lost about 160 pounds since wow. I've been in the restaurant. Um, I did not realize that. Yeah. Um, and it's not that, I, it, not that I wasn't happy. It's just that I had enough belief in myself that maybe I could do this, and I, I wanted to try it. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But at least I tried it. And I wasn't getting younger. And sometimes you just got to jump off the cliff and hope there's water at the bottom and, or somebody throws you a parachute or somebody catches you. (laughs) So that's a good, that's a good segue into always asking for help, right? When you jump into something like this, you know, like sometimes you need it. Sometimes you need help. I mean, sometimes you're, you're, you're looking for, for help and, you know, and it comes from all different directions. Um, But, you you know, I think you, sometimes you just got to leap. You know, if it's something that you're very interested in, sometimes you just got to leap mm-hmm. and not and not worry if there's going to be help coming or not. I mean, mm-hmm. you just got to leap and say faith in yourself and 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 support. Hopefully you got support around you to, to make that leap. But I, what I love is my customers come in and say, well, mm-hmm. how can I help you? I mean, my people come through the door every day and they're like, what can we do? What, what can we do to get people in here? What can I what can I I'm like, I'm looking around going. Who does that? Right. Who, who, who's, you know, who has customers that come in and go, what can I do for you today? You know, most customers come in and they say, uh, what can I get from you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, for nothing. Right. No, no. This is my customers come in and say, what can I do for you today? And that's inspiring. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's 10 months of that, of, right. of people doing that. And you don't, that's not the world you hear about on, on the news, but I see it every day. Mm-hmm. You know, people are going, what, what can I help you? What can I do for you? 
I'm like, just bring you, just come back and bring another customer. And they come back every day through the door, bringing another customer. Mm-hmm. It's, it's yeah. inspiring. Well, I mean, obviously, you know, I didn't catch it when you were talking about it earlier, but you know, the, your customers obviously bring a lot to you, you know, as you yeah. were, had, had a, I think you had a tear. Is it the barbecue that was left or, you know, no. you got a yeah. little emotional with, yeah, sure. with your clients. So I'm yeah. sure that's a big part of what keeps you pushing ahead too, you know? Yeah, it is. It is. I, I think in my situation, I'm lucky enough to have customers who are invested mm-hmm. for whatever reason. I don't know what that reason is. I Good don't, barbecue. I, Good barbecue, but I think too it's the relationships. It, right, too. it's, it's kind of like that cheers fill. Yeah, right? sure. You know, sure. you know. I, I mean, and I haven't been here that much, but I can just even see you know the few times that I've right. come. Right, I think it's relationships. I think relationships are. We got away from relationships in today's society. We got into the social media. It's not about relationships. It's kind of uh, we see things about people on social media, and there's no backing to it. Right, I mean, mm-hmm. there's no. You don't have to face somebody and have that conversation. Right. Right. So, I mean, you can literally, I'm just thinking you could get a, you could hire a whole marketing team and they can just put out the world's best barbecue and yeah. have, you could hire a couple of people to come in and yeah. have all these emotions, you know what I yeah. mean? And then people could come in and go, oh gosh, that's a disappointment. You right. know, like, right. isn't it interesting to just think you really, people could do that. Right. You know? But you're right. not about that. No, you know? I'm not about that. I'm about, I tell people all the time, I said, the first thing I'll do is have I want this to be about a relationship. Then we'll feed you, because anybody can feed you. You can go, you can go to any quick sack or grocery store. You get something to eat. I mean, anybody feeds you. you open a bag of chips. But we lost the relationships. When mm-hmm. I grew up, you went to a restaurant. It was about a relationship. You went in. You you had a relationship with people. You talked to people. You knew the people's name. You know. Nowadays, you don't have that anymore. And and food should be about time around with a family. Mm-hmm. If, you know, that's what it should be about. It is It is emotional, physical nourishment should be what that what mm-hmm. eating is. And we got away from that. Mm-hmm. And we got right away from both pieces of it. You know, this is like all of our sides are vegetarian sides. We don't put meat products in sides. We, okay. we build everything from scratch. We, we got away from the nutrition. We got away from nutrition. We got away from the emotional piece of it. And we're trying to bring that back some in our restaurant. That's what we're trying to do. Yeah. So do you miss the uh, computer job at all? No, I, I don't. I miss the ability to fin- spend time with the family. Mm-hmm. I miss that piece of it and sort of the stress level that you put opening your own business and the stress level you put on your family. That security of that job mm-hmm. versus what I do there. That's the piece that I, I miss, you know, but um, to think that at some point this could be something that we could build something that I could pass to my generation, mm-hmm. my my daughter and maybe her kids or whatever that I could pass it on down. Maybe it's something we build that could be done that way. I think you just got to give it a shot. So what else is, as far as starting a new business, what else is a, a struggle that you would share with someone to that they give some <clears throat> deep thought to before jumping off that um yeah, Cliff. I, I think for us, for for me, the thing that I did in this process was I just went to open the doors. I just said, I'm, I just did everything I could to just open the doors. I didn't think about the accounting piece of it, <clears throat> legal ramifications, um, how you want to brand yourself, how you want to do any, any of those kind of things. I didn't spend time on any of that. I just said, I want to open the doors. 
and see if people will show up mm-hmm. and if it, <clears throat> if people will enjoy it right yeah um and i re- i missed i mean we, we i've been struggling for 10 months to try to catch back up on a lot of that right. stuff i think when you're a family run type business and not not trying to think corporate it's a real issue and then and the for the restaurant business it's all about marketing and it really you know it, you can have the greatest food you can have the greatest service but if people ain't coming through the doors it really doesn't matter uh and so the marketing piece of it and i'm sure that's for every right. every end of business your your real estate business the marketing how are you marketing yourself how are you positioning yourself it's so difficult because yeah. you don't know, you know, I didn't spend any time trying to right. research what I had to do for that. Right. And I mean, I do think there is just like in real estate, you have a lot of people that's, I mean, it's big time about the relationships. Right. But, and some don't even want to invest any money into marketing because right. it's so much about the, the relationships. Right. But I'm like, there's a kind of a hybrid between the both. Right. It, which sounds like you, you know, you've got the relationship, you've got the food. Right. You know, and I guess, I, and that's how I think it's like, well, marketing's not going to hurt. I mean, it can just bring more people to that's you. That's right. You know? That's right. So, um, yeah. Yeah, it's a, um, I think marketing uh, is the biggest piece that I, that I sort of have missed. I think people have been very um, interested in my ability to change too. Mm-hmm. So, first month that we opened the restaurant, we had a we had a menu. Customers came in and said, "I just don't know about this. I don't really like it. I really would want to see this. I really want to see that." Come back a month later, it's completely different. It's more into into the the way they were looking for plates and platters and some mm-hmm. different stuff. It wasn't the way I wanted to do it. But that's what my customers were telling me. So you're serving Mexican food now, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, let's talk about Bama for a few minutes. Yeah. Uh, first, how did y'all meet and how did you propose? Yeah. All right. So uh, that's interesting. All right. We talk about Bama. So uh, Bama is his wife. Yeah. Bama's my wife. Um, and so we met on Murfreesboro Road at a at a uh, establishment on Murfreesboro Road at okay. the time. And... I was sleeping in the shoe shine booth, and she said I was passed out, but I'm pretty sure I was sleeping. <laughs> I know I was sleeping, um, and that's how we that's how we met. Because that's where you slept. Yeah, that's I guess. where I slept. Okay, yeah, it was late night. Yeah, uh, kitchens before I had to go to work early in the okay. morning. So, but uh, so we met there, and um, it, it's funny. Uh, I didn't really think that I was crazy about her until like. Two days later, and then I was like, "Yeah, I'm in trouble," you know. So, um, so we, I think we were, I think we dated and married in within one year. Really, it was kind of a pretty quick. I, I knew that uh, she was the right one mm-hmm. instantly, uh, right one. I tried to, to uh, try to write a poem to, <laughs> like the roses are red, right. violets are blue. Will you love me for years and years through and through, or something like that? I don't know. Uh, I tried to write a poem as the proposal. I think she thought she was getting a, a washing machine, <laughs> you know. Uh, instead, she got a ring and a, and a proposal. Uh, but anyway. Uh, she probably saw it as a poem, right? Or did you memorize it? Uh, uh, no, the poem's gone. Yeah. I'm okay. pretty sure I burned it. <laughs> it was not good. <laughs> Elementary. Good enough to get her to say yes. <laughs> yes she said yes. Why she was I laughing I, the whole time, I, right? Yeah, I think I was down on my knees crying, and she just said yes. Okay, whatever. Uh <laughs> Oh, but yeah, and she, you know she's local too. I mean, she's mm-hmm. from Antioch, and so okay. um, 
so yeah so anyway within one year we were married and been married 20 26 years wow. at, this, at this point 26 years so talk to me about the importance of of her and even having your family support yeah. during this startup yeah i think well i tell you what i you know i there's many a nights i've left out of here and thought you know i'm done i, I can't i can't make it and she's like hey you're not you're not stopping i mean i think i think the ability to have someone you know i think it's the uh yeah, the John Wayne movie or something. It's like I want to have a woman that I can ride that I can ride the river with. You know, someone who will grab the oar or paddle mm-hmm. or whatever. And I think that's what that's what you're looking for as a spouse. Um, and you know, I got lucky. I got I got a woman you can ride the river with. Mm-hmm. So, um, but you got to have that. I mean, there's no way. And when you're starting your own business, to, without the support of your family, and just saying, "Okay, I'm there. I'm mm-hmm. there." Uh, because if we, if I went home and she said, Hey, I'm, you know, you're done. Well, okay. That's great. I would have probably jumped off, you know, the, the cliff would have ended with the concrete at the bottom of it. Right. Right. Um, and I've been done, but she's like, no, we, we got this, you know, you're doing it right. You know, just, you gotta have that support mechanism. Right. right. And that support mechanism can come from a lot of different places and a lot of different times during the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it can start at eight o'clock in the morning and might be at eleven o'clock at night, you know, but you gotta have those support mechanisms. And so having her there, uh, and you know, even my daughter who's always out there going, My dad's got the best barbecue place, mm-hmm. you know. And so just having having that in place is is really important. I think that it's for any business you gotta have you, your your spouse got to know. Hey, I've got to go do this. I know it's bad timing for us or whatever, but for me, for us in this business, I've got to go do it. They've got to be supportive of that, because mm-hmm. um, if they're not, then it's just going to be harder and harder to continue to do the things you've got to do to make the thing work. All right. Yeah. 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 Definitely. You, when you need the push, like you need somebody to take over the the award. Yeah. If they're not there, it's, it's you're going to be going downstream. It's yeah. not going to be good. Nope. So um, I know, not from experience, this business can be tough. Because mm-hmm. um, it was funny as I was thinking about these questions, I was like, "Oh, I know," and I'm like, "No, actually, I don't know because I haven't been in the restaurant. I've actually never worked in. A, I did work at a convenience store that sold fish, and so actually, when I smelled the barbecue here, it made me think about when I would leave the store and I always smelled like fish, fish. It was catfish. Oh, yeah. it was good. Yeah. Um, so I know it can be tough. If you have uh, if you have a down moment, what do you do to push through it? Um, obviously, you just spoke to, you know, your wife being a big part of it. But is there something else mentally to keep you moving forward? What do you you do? Well, I mean, when we get down, I think you're looking when like when we're like we have a bad day, and I'm like, oh God, is this going to be like it's going to be for the next two or three right. days? Right. Um, you're just looking for someone just to say, no, we're still right. We're still good here. And it can come from any, and it sort of can come from anywhere. And that, and I think it is the beauty of this business. You work really hard. You get a smile when somebody sits down and say, man, I really enjoyed this. Um, and that's part of that relationship. Cause if you don't have it, if you don't have that relationship with your customers and you don't get that at the end of the day, all I got is, uh, I got a number at the, on the, on a, mm-hmm. on a POS system, man, that's going to be a tough one. And then you're going to be uh, back in the computer desk. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. That, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you've got the relationships are to me, the relationships, the most important piece of this, uh, of this business, because otherwise I don't want to be in it. Mm-hmm. If I don't, if you can't become in and people can't become part of my family, uh, from all parts of the country, then I don't want to be in this business. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. I mean, if not, you can just go back to yeah. full-time catering and doing that because yeah. those are still relationship parts, you know? Yeah, they're still... Is there a piece of knowing that, you know, because I've, I've thought this when I got into real estate. It was like, you know, if the market turns, like I've done so many other things, I'll go find a job, you know? Um, and obviously the IT industry is, yeah. you know, always hot. Is there always that peace of mind knowing that, hey, it is there if I just doesn't work, you know? But it is going to work, and so I don't mean to sound like, you know, no, but I, it's always just that piece, you know, when you do, because I'll lose a deal sometimes, and you're just like, oh, man, you know, and it's like, no, just keep moving, you know? Yeah, and I tell people, you know, I sort of had this conversation the other day, one of my employees, it's about uh, just because you get to the red light, don't think the road's closed, mm. right? If you get the red light and you think the road's closed, you're going to turn around and go back home. At some point, that red light's going to turn green. Might be a while. Maybe the system down is still red for a long time. But at some point, it's going to turn green. You can move forward. But if you turn around and leave, then you never know what that, that next, that when it turns green, what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. Sort of at the, the light at the end of the tunnel, right? You keep you keep digging. You can see a small light in a tunnel. It's a little bit bigger or whatever. You just keep digging. You know, but you got to keep going. You can't give up on it until, I guess, you know, when do you give up on it? I mean, and that's probably the question, mm -hmm. the, the bigger question, when do you give up on it? I think right now I'm waiting for the light to turn green mm -hmm. again, and I'm going to go to the next red light right. and then wait for it to turn green again. I think that's a book, red light, green light, yellow light. I mean, really yeah. just to think like how do, how different people respond. Cause if I sit yeah. at a red light, yeah. I'm so impatient. I hate lights. They're yeah. my enemy. Yeah. I'm literally counting. And if I think for some reason it didn't pick up my car, especially if it's late, yeah. I'm running it. Yeah. There's no way I'm turning around. Yeah. Or I'm usually going to actually take a right because I know when I get off this exit and the light just turned, you know, it's quicker if I just kind of cut. and <laughs> I do all the illegal things. Yeah. <laughs> but, I yeah. mean, it is interesting, right? It, right? Like when you proceed, you know, how do you approach a caution light? How do right. you approach still green lights? You right. Know? It's um, the same way in life, too, yeah. though. Because in life, you're going to get to red light thrown up in front of you. And the question is, do you? Do you feel like, okay, I'm going to turn around and go home? Do I mm -hmm. run that red light? <laughs> yeah. Do I wait on it and turn green? But in life, everything's going to keep moving. Nothing stays the same. Mm -hmm. So if you're in a bad state today at noon, 2 o'clock, you could be in a great state. Mm -hmm. But if you just lock up at noon and don't want to be part of anything else, mm -hmm. you'll never get out of that state, right? And that's sort of in business. You can't. Oh, it's bad today, but tomorrow right. is awesome, right? So yeah. I made up for yesterday with today. So you just can't allow one right. to dictate the other. Yeah. And you can't allow one customer to dictate the other. You know, every everything mm -hmm. is moving. Everything's moving. You're just part of it. Yep. And enjoy the ride. Right. Yeah, it is. Fun. I mean, that is a great perspective because just thinking about, you know, the next call in my case. Right. All right. No, you need to push through and make the calls. I don't like code calling. Right. I'd rather be networking and doing stuff like that. Or even you're in a, a, a venue where you like networking, but it's not always comfortable going to talk to a complete stranger. Nope. But, you know, yeah, you're down, you lock the door, but that one customer could have walked in and could have tried that barbecue and... Next thing you know, he's posting. The marketing blows up, and you're—you know what I mean. Yeah. So you—it's it, a good, a good analogy into pushing through because you never know what that next minute holds. 
You, you know? don't. Well, it's interesting. You know, I, I tell my, my employees, we close at 8.30, 9 o'clock. And the only chairs that you can see, if they put them up, are the ones on on the one side that they always want to close down. I'm like, you cannot put those chairs up. I can have somebody pull in the parking lot and see chairs up. Yep. They won't come in. Mm-hmm. They cannot go up until after we close, bottom line. So, and I, I preach it all the time. And so we go down to a restaurant not far from here uh, a couple of days ago, and they were an hour out from closing, and we go in. They didn't have anybody in there. All the chairs are up. And we walked out. We turned around and walked out. And the perception was they didn't mm-hmm. want us in there. Yeah. Right. Right. Yep. No matter what, the perception was they didn't want us in there. Yeah. And perception is reality to people. So whatever your perception of something is, it is going to be your reality. Right. And so how do you make sure people perceive you as being friendly and interactive mm-hmm. and want to be part of you? Yep. Be yep. part of your story or anything like that. Yeah, I even think sitting in, we were in a restaurant the other day and all of a sudden they're throwing some chairs up and you're automatically, you feel pressured. Oh, no, right. are they closing? Or are we, right. what time are they closing? You know, versus right. going, does it really take that long to, you know, or if you could sweep and leave the chairs down, then easily put them up. But yeah, it's yeah, good point, you know. So yeah. you started, you know, slinging the chairs around when you put them down, they'll stop, right? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So, uh, what advice would you give your younger self in regards to parenting, marriage, um, or business? Um, if I think my my younger self was, food was a passion when I was younger. I should have followed that passion. You know, I think if you have a passion for something, and you can determine sort of what it is at the time, to follow it. Um, and I had, I had somebody in here not too long ago said, yeah, they that a daughter had just graduated, uh, graduated from culinary school and she's want to do, you know, she wants to do a bakery. She was been doing a bakery. Mm-hmm. And I said, if I had one advice for you is if you could help her start it now, don't have her go work for somebody else while she doesn't have anything, have her start her bakery now and let her grow in that bakery, mm-hmm. help her do that. That would be my advice to you. Don't, because once you go and start working for someone else and do money starts coming in, you get this. If you can start early or you can build that base and afford to build that base up, you'll be, you'd be better off. If I'd have started a barbecue mm-hmm. restaurant when I was 22 or 23 years old. If I'd have gotten real estate when I was 22 or 23. Yeah. Yeah. That's a passion. Knowing that that was my passion food was my passion it would have been mm-hmm. you know i've been better i've been better off long term i've been better off long term yeah you know but if you can figure out what that passion is now it's not that's not always easy right right but we all have them we all have a god-given gift and determining what that gift is um it's it, that's part of the that's part of life right and once you can determine what that gift is use it for your betterment of mm-hmm. everyone because we all got them and you could turn that gift into something that betters everybody else. Right. Yeah. You know, that was sort of what we did with barber- with cooking because uh, I, I did it with the mental health association and started doing it with those things. And it was a way for us to give back on a, on a gift that I was given. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. 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 And it, it, having kids, you know, three boys, it's, I'm just sitting there thinking, I'm like, that's, why it's so important to be in tune with your kids to know what's going on, what maybe what sparks their interest, because, you know, we all want to save them from the pitfalls of 
of what can be life right. in some cases, right? Right. Um, but if you're really seeking to know kind of their calling, what their bent is, even at a younger young age of what, you know, if somebody was in tune that, man, he really loves to cook. And then all of a sudden they're encouraging you to cook, you know, yeah. versus going, hey, here's a normal thing. You got to do this, this. You got to go to college. Right. You got to do this. Where right. it's like, maybe not, you know. <clears throat> um, yeah, just kind of what I think of, you know. Yeah. And, you know, what I think in the end, I mean, well, knowledge is key. Mm-hmm. Knowledge is important. You went knowledge. to school for marketing. Right. So, <laughs> so, but the knowledge, part of my knowledge uh, I picked up in school was from, from an education. The other part was from a culture right. that I was part of. Yes. So knowledge comes in multiple places. Right. The, the most experienced knowledge was living on my own in a culture mm-hmm. and with people of different cultures, right, from different backgrounds. That's where my most knowledge came from. Schooling of books was another piece of it. But right. knowledge is king and knowledge comes from a lot of different places. Right. And so, you know, I think the important piece is knowledge, but knowledge, then take the pieces of those knowledge to the passion that you have. Mm-hmm. You blend them. They all, they all, it all has to go together. Right. Um, right. And it can't be one without the other. Right. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That would be as I remember we had a couple of people in our class. They were really good with book knowledge, but right. the common sense of yeah, application was kind of missing. You know? Yeah, sure. We run across that all the time. All right, so from the great words of Paul and Timothy 4-7, I've fought the good fight, I've finished the race, I've kept the faith. When your journey's over, what legacy are you hoping to leave? I think the, you know, um, every day is a legacy. So every day you have the opportunity to build your legacy, and that is the interaction with people um, that you interact with. And if you interact with them in a kind and fulfilling type they take that and go to the next person and interact with them right so the legacy is not you know built a barbecue restaurant or the legacy is the kindness and and fulfillment that everybody carries with them because of the interaction mm-hmm. from one person who interacts with another person who interacts with another person i think that's sort of the the legacy that your that your child does the same thing mm-hmm. sees how you do it and they do the same thing Mm. And then that piece of it will be the legacy because it is continually in society and our generations and generations and generations um, would carry through. Yeah. Carry through. I like that. Yeah. I liked it. So the legacy spreading the kindness. That's right. Um, all right. So we'll finish up with the Nashville Real Estate Minute or a few. Good. Uh, how long have you lived? Well, yeah. How long have you lived in Nashville? And why did you never leave? Let's see. 51 years in Nashville. I left five years for school, um, and that was it. Um, Which you did go to Arkansas, Arkansas. right? That's why you wanted to come back here. I am from Arkansas, so I can say that. (laughs) Depends on where you live, you know. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, I loved Arkansas. Yeah, I did Uh, too. Northwest. But I came back from school because Nashville had an industries that you could work in. My family was local. Uh, And the biggest thing was I wanted to come back for my grandfather. My grandfather... Um, and make sure that I was around to support him in his older, older life. Um, so, you know, when I came back, it was, I came back to cut his yard. I come back to take care of him, run him to Captain D's on Sundays and, yeah. and those kind of things. And so, yeah. and then from there, try to find a job locally and right. always, always able to find uh, work in Nashville. Mm-hmm. Nashville had work always available. So it was just a natural place for me to come back for. 
And so currently, what, what community did you land in and why did you choose that location? Yeah, well, I'm going to talk about a couple where I landed when I come back. Sure. So, so yeah. I, I ended up in Murfreesboro, in Indian Hills in Murfreesboro, sort of, sort of our uh, landing spot. Um, up there and Murfreesboro was growing so fast that Rutherford County areas, uh, mm-hmm. I can't even believe, uh, how fast, what, what Murfreesboro looks like today versus when I was a kid. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazier than Nashville or yeah, any of the other yeah, stuff, actually, actually yeah. any of that stuff. Um, and then we, had, we ended up back in Brent, we ended up in Brentwood, um, and that's where we live today. Um, and I can remember building houses. I built houses back in the eighties okay. in Brentwood. And I remember building houses in Brentwood and the, the price tag on these houses were like $175,000 for these 3,200 square foot house. And, uh, I thought who could afford to buy these houses out here in the country? I mean, this, this is out here in the middle of nowhere. I can't mm-hmm. believe anybody would spend the kind of money and those houses now they run about, I don't know, $700,000, you know, they're selling mm-hmm. for, uh, you know, it's in the middle of everything, right? Mm-hmm. But back in those days, I was like, I just can't, I can't believe, yeah, I can't believe anybody's buying these. I mean, you had to go over a one-lane wooden bridge to get to the subdivision back in the day. <laughs> That's funny. It and is. how long have you lived in it? Because you built recently or when did when was that yeah i, I built three years ago okay, okay. Yeah, i built a house three years ago i guess it's not too recent but no um but i built those two i built two houses in brentwood okay um one house in murfreesboro and then uh so but we've settled in, settled in brentwood. brentwood yeah all right so uh tell me a great memory that you often share about nashville i guess you got a ton of those but what's something you always that kind of comes to mind I think, you know, to me, when I was growing up, we had the Arborland Amusement Park. And then going there in the summers was just so much, that was so much fun. The Wabash Cannonball, riding the Wabash Cannonball and having that amusement park locally uh, was a great. I mean, when, I, when it closed down, it was just, you know, it's like ripping your guts out to see I that go down. I still can't believe with the size we are that we don't have an amusement park somewhere in Nashville. I, I just can't. I mean, believe, a big I, one. You know I, what I mean? I, Gaylord pulling that just—I just can't believe that that ever went away. You know. Well, uh, shopping. For we shopping. had to buy all the material. Well, Forget memories. You can't. There's so <laughs> many music acts that came out of that park. Yeah. I, I mean, really. if they put them on, I mean, they'd, they'd fill up walls and walls of the acts that came out of that park. I mean, great acts that came out of that park hmm. because they did music shows in the park. I mean, and when did it close? Because I know it was closed before we got here. So probably what. Was it 20 years ago, 25 years yeah, ago? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, all right. So what do you look for in a good real estate agent? What I look for in a good real estate agent is someone who's just listening to what I'm looking for. And there's no reason to waste my time on stuff that I'm not looking, I'm not looking for. You know, they need to understand, you know, what kind of house I'm, I'm looking for, what my family's like kind of understand my lifestyle um, so they can help us get to the right, get into the right place. Um, it's, it's very important. Sometimes you don't, as a customer, sometimes you, you don't know what your lifestyle, what you need is your lifestyle from a house standpoint. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you, you know, kind of look for a realtor and say, okay, well, what about, you know, you, you're, you said this, wouldn't you like, would you like to have this and this in your house as well? I mean, to help the, help the process along. Right. I mean, sure. You're looking for, you're looking for a good deal and that kind of stuff, but you're also, it's important to get the right, 
the right house, mm-hmm. or the right house from a construction standpoint, the right house from a living in standpoint. It, all those things would be very important. Right. So you you started off that saying something about listening. I wasn't listening. What, what was that you said? <laughs> <laughs> all right. So what advice would you give to someone looking to move to Nashville? Ooh. If you're looking to move to Nashville, I think it's finding the area that's right for you um, now with, with sort of with the traffic and different things that are going on in Nashville. Um, I think it's, it's from a town standpoint, I was looking at this other day. I think, you know, certain areas of town, it's a lot easier to get around Nashville from than other areas of town. You know, the 24 corridor is mm-hmm. a terrible or corridor if you do anything in Nashville, you know, but that that 40 west that bellevue corridor is mm-hmm. not all that bad mm-hmm. it's not all that bad uh, 65 is is uh, is getting rougher it's it's getting you know that it's getting rough 65 either north or south i mean mm-hmm. it's that's tough but you know you got to figure out areas that you kind of where you're going to work and and kind of figure that out otherwise you you know hour and 15 minutes hour and 30 minutes in traffic every day is mm-hmm. that just adds to your your time away you know what well, what i would have said is you would tell them to call me and meet at charcoal cowboys <laughs> and have some great barbecue create some good memories and talk about Nashville. Right? yes <laughs> all right ken well thank you so much for your time yeah. and um tell everybody how they can connect with you and uh come eat some great barbecue yeah and brisket and yeah you can ribs and everything chicken yeah (laughs) our sides all the vegetarian yeah exactly that was actually the great that was the best part of it too was just the sides that went along with it yeah we don't deep fry anything so but you can connect with us at um www (laughs) charcoalcowboysbbq.com all right yeah yeah. Cool deal. Cool. And then your location is in and you cater and Yeah, we we cater. Our location is in uh sixty nine seventeen Lennox Village Drive, uh all, directly facing Nolensville Road, um, headed headed out of Nashville towards Nolensville. And then we'll cater, we'll cater all over town, we deliver. And you can find us in a lot of FUDA locations in town and corporate offices will be there. Um and we're looking at a hopefully we're opening uh, fruit trailer over in Laverne area on Murfreesboro okay. Road should hopefully in the next two or three months we'll be over there so cool alright well thanks again thank you alright cool well I hope that Ken's story will inspire you to take a drive down the Lennox Village and eat some of his barbecue remember he um, he also does catering and I forget exactly what he had said but I know they set up shop at some some businesses um, around Nashville and um and you know give the food there or sell the food there so anyways uh, make sure to uh, follow him and look them up and go eat some great barbecue and hopefully you were inspired if you're on the fence of stepping out with something you have had a passion for you kind of do as a side hustle but have always wanted to jump out and push aside fear and go pursue it Hopefully Ken's story will inspire you that even though during the struggle, um, you're still making a huge impact and, you know, people being involved in whatever you do can, can help you keep pushing through. So, uh, hopefully you, you walked away with some encouragement from Ken's story and a desire to go eat some of his great barbecue. 
Next week's episode will feature Ashley Gorley. As I've mentioned a few times, obviously with uh, probably some excitement, I finally was able to uh, pull the Rambler down to Ashley Gorley's house, which was quite awesome, and uh, sit down with him for like 30 or 45 minutes. I, it was kind of funny. I, he, he, he thought it was going to be about 30, and I had probably like eight or nine more questions that I could have asked him. But um, I think we covered quite a bit on it for sure. But he had to go and do another write with another artist. So we had to, uh, I was able to squeeze a couple more in as he's like, hey, man, I got to go. Anyways, um, it was uh, it was an honor and a treat to uh, hang out with Ashley and ask him some questions that I've never asked him. And just to see the, um, you know, the drive and and even the solid foundation he had with finances, you know, how how a lot of that has helped him be, be as successful as he is. Actually, two days prior to me sitting down with him, he hit his 39th number one song that he had uh, written. So it was pretty cool. Got to see, uh, see his setup out there. So you'll, uh, you'll enjoy that for sure. Make sure to tune in to that. The sponsors for the podcast are the one and only me, Andrew Buckwalter, with Buckwalter Impact Group of Benchmark Realty. If you have any real estate needs in Nashville, if you're looking to buy or sell or looking for investment properties, make sure to give me a shout. I love doing the podcast. I love meeting new people. I love sharing the stories and sharing what others are doing in Nashville. But first of all, I love real estate, so I am here to help you. If you have any lender needs, make sure to give Brandon Hutchison a shout with Legacy Mutual. And if you are in need of a good title, David Weber with Limestone Title and Escrow would love to have your business. As always, thanks for your time. Thank you for choosing to listen to Nashville Untold out of all the other podcasts at this moment anyways. And um, if you liked it, enjoyed it, uh, feel free to subscribe, to share it with other people. There are actually several people out there that that have never listened to a podcast or don't even know how to find it. Actually, I was was sitting down with a a friend the other day who is um, pretty tech savvy. And he was asking me, hey, where do I find that on my phone? And so I showed him. So you might have people and friends that might benefit from this podcast or others you listen to that um, have touched your life. Or I know in my case, listen to several of them that have um, helped motivate me in different areas or inspire me to you know, improve something. And if I had never been enlightened to the podcast world, I'd been missing out. So don't hold it all to yourself. Share it with your your friends. Have a great week. Make sure to check out the show notes on how to connect with Ken Woods and where to find Charcoal Cowboy. Actually, specifically where to find them is 6917 Lenox Village Drive in Nashville, Tennessee. If you're familiar with Lenox Village, just cruise down Nolansville. You can get to it from 65 or 24, and it's right at the beginning of all the uh, condo areas. Um, so make sure to take a drive down there and hang out, watch some, watch some sports, or just go eat some good barbecue. And now... Turn up the volume and listen to a song by Joe Sly. There's this thing you might have noticed uh, with vinyl records coming back in a big way, which is pretty cool, you know. And I think part of the reason is not only because of the nostalgia of it and, and, and just, you know, the sound and the feel and having a physical thing, but I think it 
it kind of reminds us of a time when things were a little more slow. Things were a little more, you know, you had to do a few steps to really, you know, get to the to the end game instead of just instant access all the time. It was a little more work, you know, it was a little more. And because of that, you know, I think the, the rewards were a little sweeter. So anyway, we kind of tried to take the perspective of vinyl record and, and apply it to uh, our relationship. Kind of like this, okay. Stop, baby, let's slow down the crazy And slide that record from its sleeve While the human race is running We'll be old school loving To the peaceful sounds of a disc going round like it's the 70s But you're the one who makes loving fun Come and dance with me when the turntable turns We're slipping back in time Can't stop the world But hey baby, we can try I'd love to feel the way you move When we're spinning round the room Drop the needle in a groove it's a vinyl afternoon Moving like a Motown beat Turning up the midday heat With lips that don't want to wait till tonight I'm giving you all my attention Shutting down every distraction The only connection I want to find Is in your eyes A little classic, a little magic And feels so right When the turntable turns We're slipping back in time Can't stop the world But hey baby, we can try I love to Spinning round the room Drop the needle in a groove And it's a vinyl afternoon Ooh, every time we kiss Ooh, we make that record skip Turntable turns Oh, we're slipping back in time We can't stop the world But baby, we can try I love to feel the way you move When we're spinning round the room Drop the needle in a groove it's a vinyl afternoon 
It's our final afternoon. We hope you've enjoyed listening to Nashville Untold with Andrew Buckwalter. We encourage you to leave us a rating or review on iTunes. And be sure to subscribe so you won't miss a single episode. To be a guest on the show or to share your thoughts, send us an email to podcast at andrewbuckwalter.com. Until next time, 